Paul thanks God and was encouraged. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Three days later, he called the local Jewish leaders. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and to talk with you. It's because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. They replied, We have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of our people who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets. He tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke truth to your ancestors when he spoke through Isaiah the prophet. Go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. That's the end of the book. Paul's arrived in Rome. He's under house arrest. He's, he's literally chained. He's, he, um, that's why he says, for this reason, he says in the passage, you know, I'm bound, I'm bound with this chain here because of my hope in Israel. So I mean, he's literally in a house, under house arrest, chained. Um, and and that's, that's how the book ends. And, and as, we, as we look at this passage, what I, what I want to look at are a couple of things. I want to um, highlight a couple of things that take place in this passage as well as what takes place sort of behind the scenes in this passage. Because once you realize what's going on here, um, you're going to see that, yes, Paul has finally made it to Rome. But guess what? The church was already there. Isn't that interesting? This whole book's been moving towards Paul going to Rome and him being able to testify in Rome. And he does. He has a major role to play. God has him there to share and to preach. But the church is already there. Isn't that interesting? And it got there by people who were normal everyday people who ended up there. And the church grew as normal everyday people shared. So that's what I want you, I want you to keep, keep that view in your mind as, as we look through this passage a little bit. So I'm going to sort of walk back. Um, in verse 11, he says, you know, we, we were leaving Malta here. And they put out to sea on this ship. You know, they, they get to Syracuse. Uh, you um, Stay there for a little while, and then they set across. They go to Regium, so they get on. They actually get on, you know, um, the first little port in um, Italy. This is the next day. The south wind came up, went on sailing, and we reached Putoli, and there we found some brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them. And so we came to Rome. Now, remember, I remember they're not in Rome. They're a hundred miles from Rome, 
but they're on the mainland and they're, they're, he can forget his sea. He doesn't need sea legs anymore. He, he's done sailing. Um, the first thing I love, I love that he found some brothers and sisters there. And what does that mean? That means fellow believers. And what did they do? They hosted them. They said, hey, come, come here. We're, we're, you can spend a week with us. Now, we don't know why he, we don't know if Julius, the commander of the centurion guard, had work he had to do in Petroleum, so they needed to hang out there for a week. We don't know why they needed to be there, or if it was just these brothers and sisters were there, and they said, hey, we want to provide for you. But for whatever reason, he found some brothers and sisters in Christ, they provided for him for a week. Then, look at this. Um, Then verse 15, it says, The brothers and sisters had heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the form of Apius and three taverns to meet us. Now what this meant, they were 100 miles away, and I don't know if it was during that week, someone, remember, if you remember in the initial boat, there were like 276 people were saved. There's a lot of people on this boat. So we don't know why they were all there, and if some of them just went ahead to Rome, but somehow folks in Rome also heard that Paul had landed. Now, now, Now remember, we don't got cell phones, we don't have landlines. We don't have telegraph. We don't have, you know, anything. Anything. Like, so how do you communicate on, I mean, it's been, it's been like a four, three and a half month journey since he left Jerusalem. You know, and, and, and how, and he's been, you know, just, how do these folks, so somehow someone, Maybe when they just landed in Petroli, someone, someone didn't stop for a week there. Someone just went on ahead. One of the guys was, yeah, i got business up in Rome, so they're just going on their way. And they meet the believers somehow and tell the believers that Paul has arrived. And so some folks travel. Okay, so the, the, the first place is like 43 miles from Rome. The other place is like 33 miles from Rome. And so, so, Paul, so Paul's coming this direction. So he's gone, you know, 60, 65 miles up. And it's... It's a famous road, the Appian Way. It's probably the straightest, best in all the Roman Empire. And they have like stops every 10, 15 miles. And so these two stops are well-known places that travelers would stop. But somehow the, some believers in Rome heard. And what did they do? They went to meet him. And look at Paul's response. It says, At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. I just want to stop there for a minute. I mean, here comes Paul. Now, most places where Paul has gone, has he been met with a wonderful reception? No! I mean, in what condition is Paul coming to Rome right now? He's shackled. He's in shackled. He's in chains. Shackled. That's a more efficient way of saying it. He's shackled. Um, He's in chains and is shackled. So here we have a prisoner. So is, is that your favorite guy you hang out with? Someone's coming in town who's a prisoner being transferred. Oh, I can't wait to see you. <laughs> Publicly. Oh, it's great. I'm going to go out of my way to find you before you get... I'm going to set aside my routine and I'm going to travel maybe by foot 33 miles or 40 miles to see you that's what they did. And you've got to wonder what Paul's thinking. Paul, I mean, his whole thing has been building towards getting to Rome. Right? And he doesn't know what's going to happen here. He just knows he's supposed to testify, but he doesn't know if he's going to die. Which is a 
not uncommon occurrence. We, we, we find out later that he actually does get it. We don't know what actually happened at the end of the book because he just he ends up in prison. We find out later that because he wrote several letters while here in Rome and then he traveled some more and then he wrote other letters later like First and Second Timothy even later and those which probably happened when he was in Rome a second time and his death was impending. And according to church history, he was executed the next time he was in Rome for a couple of years. It didn't, you know, it didn't, that's how it ended. But he didn't know what was going to happen this time. So you've got to know that, that Paul is you know, wondering. You've got to know he has all sorts. We, we aren't told what they are, but you've got to know he has all sorts of stuff going on. What we do know about Paul is what? When these people met him, what happened to him? He was encouraged. At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. Now, did these guys, these guys have to be theologians? Were these guys like, we don't know anything about them. What did they do? They showed up. That's all they did. They showed up. They expressed love. That's all we know. And by them doing that, this... this foundational character in the Christian faith, the part of the, the gospel being spread all over the world, was deeply encouraged. And I, I just want to just, just let that soak for a second. Because sometimes the, 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 we, we don't realize the significance of, of how we can in our routines, in our lives, and do those things that actually just simply encourage others. Just those simple things we do. But I, I remember the, the first time we actually visited Dawson. We just we'd moved back from overseas, and we were we um, were, were changing church. The church that I grew up in had had gone to Austin Transit and had shrunk down to about thirty people, and didn't have a youth thing. And here we have four kid, teenage kids. We're like, yeah, we probably need to find a place for our kids. You know, so we've been visiting church. I remember the first week we visited. We visited Dawson. We visited a, 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 back then they were called Sunday school groups, Sunday school classes, and I remember I, I think it was the first week it was Rob Riley. We went to one of his classes, and he's like. Hey, you guys want to come to lunch with us? I'm like, yeah, great. I mean, he didn't make a gourmet lunch. Knowing Rob, he probably treated us. I don't know if he treated us or not, but but uh, he, he, there was no obligation for him to, to to pay for our lunch. But he included us in the routines and the regular things of his life, and it greatly encouraged us and made one of our first connections to this church. Now, 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 now was, was he, did he do anything deeply religious? Did he do this, you know, you know, exposition of some book or, you know, teach me deep? No. He showed up and welcomed me. And it made a big impact. And I, I, and I just want to think, hey, these guys from Rome, they showed up, they encouraged, they were there. And I just want us to, just to think about that and remember that. What are ways in our life? Sometimes it's opportunities we're given in the routines of our life. Sometimes, you know, what are ways that we can encourage one another very simply? Where we are in this stage, in this space, that God might use in the lives of others. So that's, that's the first thing I said to talk about that, hey, we encourage others and we share the gospel wherever we are, whatever our stage is. The other thing I like about this passage um, is I, I'm going to skip down to verse to verse. Okay, verse 18 says, "When we got to Rome, Paul's allowed to live there by himself. He had a soldier to guard him, so he basically they had to rent a place, and that's where he lived." Let's skip down to verse 23. It says, um, "And this is after Paul's, you know, arranged and had that he's met with the Jews the first time, 
Then he gets to go the second time and arrange to meet him on a certain day, and they all come. Um, and I, I'm actually, if you would mind, if you could skip down to, um, I'll just read it. Well, actually, skip, skip down to, to um, verse 27, where he says, For this people's hearts become calloused, they hear with their ears, close their eyes, or they may see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, trying to be healed. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. So Paul's, how Paul did ministry, he always went to the Jews first. We've seen this throughout his journeys, right? He'd come into a town, he'd find the synagogue, he'd preach, and then he might not get a good result. Some would believe, some wouldn't. And then he'd go share with the Gentiles, and then the crowd would get riled up, and he'd be stoned, and then he'd go in the next city and reset, do it again. Okay, so that's what he'd do time. So he's doing the same thing in Rome. Some believed, some didn't. But then it says here, it says, verse 30, it says, For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught that the Lord, taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So here's Paul. Two years. Can he go to the synagogue? Not so much. Can he go, like, remember one of those towns he was in the, the, the hall of Tyrannus? It was like, I forget the guy's name. But what he, you know, all the different cities, he'd like go to these public places and do things. Could he do that here? Not so much. So what did he do? He invited people to his house. His new routine was, I'm in this little building and I can't move. So what am I going to do? Ah, I'll invite people over. And as he does, he shares about Christ. And I, I know for me, sometimes I, I, I can think that, oh, sharing about Christ, I have to have this block of time to be doing this special thing in a special place with special people. No. What are the circumstances God has put us in? And how, in the midst of those circumstances, can we point people to him? I mean, you may be a mom with little kids, and you are just changing diapers, you're doing this, you're, you're, you have certain things you can do, and you may not get out much at all. You know, or, or you may be at, at your kids' sports events all day, or you may be a, a, a classroom mom, or you may be at work all day, or you may be a dad who's you know, working by himself on a computer all day, or, you're, or other people, and at night you're running to activities. We, we all have, like, I can't find time to get out and to do these religious things. God's not asking you to do that. He's just saying, hey, let's be witnesses. Let's be presence. Let's encourage and let's share about Christ. Let's reflect him where we are. I don't think any of us, none of us are under house arrest or you wouldn't be here. Okay? So we have more freedom than Paul had. And what I loved here is he says that the gospel went out without hindrance. He says, with all boldness and without hindrance. Now, That's sort of strange. Paul's chained in a physical location, but the gospel's going out without hindrance? So so it's not my location, it's not my physical setting, it's not even my abilities, it's not my anything else, it's actually my mouth? that talks about the gospel being hindered or not? It's my will? That's, oof. That's interesting. That God would desire for us, and it's the regular routines of our lives, to, to, be, to reflect him, to share about him, to lead people, to point people towards him. 
Interesting fact, I, this week I was looking at um, this last chapter, and I went, and if you, here's the deal. The book of Romans, which comes after the book of Acts in the Bible, was actually um, written before Acts 28. Actually, several of the books that were written you know, take place as the book of Acts scrolls out. Like right, During these two years in prison are when Paul writes Colossians, Ephesians, several of those books. Um, First Thessalonians was probably written earlier. First Thessalonians Timothy come after. Okay? Romans was written before he got to Rome. Something very interesting. If you look at the end of the book of Romans, you've got to go look at all the people he greets. I mean, it's like almost a chapter of 25 names. Besides the church that meets at her house and greet all the brothers and sisters, there are 25 individual names that he sends greetings to in Rome. It seems to indicate there may have been three at least house churches going on in Rome. And Paul had not been there. Think about that. Somehow, regular, ordinary people in the course of their life, some of them may have been in Jerusalem at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down and God just boom, spoke in all these languages and everybody's like, woohoo! Some of them may have been Jews that were there for that and went back to Rome. Others may have been folks who were in Antioch. We know that Priscilla and Aquila had been kicked out of Italy about 10 years earlier and they came over um, and they met Paul in Corinth. And they're now back in Rome. But somehow, various people, they, they moved around and they ended up in Rome and the church was started and the church was growing. Think about that. Just let that sink. It wasn't Paul. Paul got there and the church was there. Paul wrote an incredible letter to encourage the church there and to help the church grow. But the church got there and the church was building by regular people who were encouraging one another and sharing about the reality of Christ in their lives. And when Paul got there, what did he do? He, was, he had a very confined space. And he took the opportunity. Hey, I'm, I'm stuck here in my house. What can I do? I can invite folks over. I remember when Teresa and we lived in Chicago. We lived in a very wealthy neighborhood, not neighborhood, region. We lived in the North Shore. We went to school up, went to seminary up in Chicago. And like Michael, I passed the street to Michael Jordan's house every day to school. And I also passed the house where Mike Ditka used to live on the other side. And then Scotty Pippen was another place. I mean, they all practiced up in that area. That was where they would practice. And so the wealthy area, this kind of stuff. And we went to a church. It wasn't that wealthy, but people were like, you know, and we all can get a little insecure about our places where we live and this kind of stuff. And so we were renting a very, it, it wasn't a trailer home, but it was a very simple elongated building. Um, and, and, and we were just like, hey, you know, we, we can have people over. And so we had like a small group in our house and, you know, got to meet people. And, and, it, was, and, and, and it was fantastic. We encourage one another to grow, and all the people are like, well, hey, if they can use this place to have a small group, <laughs> maybe they can have people over in my house. You know, 
And, you know, and it's sort of like with Paul. Well, Paul can be, you know, with an ankle, but not, he doesn't have a metal thing. He, he, Paul doesn't have, like, one of those remote sensors. He has an actual chain. You know, if Paul is chained into a house with a guard and still talks to people about Christ and invites people in, well, maybe, maybe you and I might can do a little something. You know, maybe we can ask people, hey, how can I be praying for you? You know, hey, you know, you know th- th- there are so many things that we can do to say, to talk about, saying, you know, man, there's something God was just, and, and being, you know, real about who we are. Man, God was just convicting me about this the other week, and, and uh, what he showed me um, just gave me peace. Or I'm going through this circumstance, and I've been praying about it, and I don't have an answer. And I'm so glad I can just tell God. And he's not, he's not intimidated when I tell him things aren't going right. Do you ever have a chance to talk to God? Is God any part of your life at all? Man, is there anything going on I can be praying for you for? I'd love to. And you ever read the Bible? A lot of it's confusing. A lot of it's interesting. Would you be interested in reading it? with? Maybe we can get together and read an hour a week or just talk about it. You don't got to know anything. I don't have all the answers, but we at least can read it. What do you think? I mean, gosh, Jesus is one of the most famous people in the world. Hey, how about we take a week and a little hour a week and read about the sayings of Jesus, see if we learn anything from it. We can do all sorts of simple little things. Whether it's our classmates in school, whether it's our you know, neighbors, our friends. And so, I, just, I just want you to think, what in our regular routines, how might God be calling us? To encourage people and to share about him. Because that's how the gospel got from Jerusalem to Rome. And that's actually how it's gotten all around the world. And that's how it will continue to grow and to grow. And that's how Acts 29, Acts 30, Acts 31, Acts 32, Acts 33, which don't exist. That story all plays out as we in our routines of life encourage others, and share about Christ. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you for the opportunity just to have been able to walk through the book of Acts and, and to really be amazed at the miraculous things you've done and the incredible common things you've done. God, as we look at this week, I... I I think a lot of us have a hard time just even looking beyond all of our responsibilities and our details and all the stuff that's going on and the, and the busyness of life. And God, we, we thank you for how you richly bless and provide for us. And we ask that you'd give us eyes to see even this week. How we can be an encouragement to those around us. And how we can also point people to you. Not because, not because it, it's, it's, it's a guilt trip. Not because it's, it, it's, you know, the thing that people are supposed to do. But because we are so privileged to be in relationship with you. Because we are so grateful for the love and forgiveness that you've given. We are so thankful for your presence with us. We're so thankful for how you do meet us when we spend time in your word. We're so thankful for how you do answer our prayers, sometimes with yes, sometimes with no, and sometimes wait. We're thankful that we have faith and trust in you to guide and to lead. 
And we're thankful that you've invited us to help others come to know you too. And so we do just, we do, as we reflect back on all that we've looked at and studied about being disciples and making disciples, we ask that by your Spirit you enable us to do that and to take whatever that next step may be in obedience to you. In the name of Jesus we pray.